SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number three of the morning after begins right now on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. This Thursday edition of TMA is going to focus on some football. NFL Week 15 gets underway tonight in Los Angeles. The Chargers and the Chiefs. We break down this game right now in our West Coast Wake Up. We will talk some college hoops next with Josh Graham, and then we will have even more of a breakdown of Thursday night football to round out this hour Excuse me, with a guy in Kansas City and Carrington Harrison to break it down. And then in the middle of all of this, in our third and final very happy hour, Brian Fonseca from FanDuel and his NBA focus. But starting off hour number three, this very happy hour on a Thursday morning, we focus on TNF tonight. In Los Angeles, the Chargers and the Chiefs. Why are we also focusing in it right now to open up hour number three? Well, it's our West Coast wake up. We welcome in our West Coast audience. A shout out to Spectrum Sportsnet LA, where you can see the morning after each and every weekday in full, all three hours, 9 a.m. to 12 Pacific time. So let's look at that game tonight in Los Angeles. The Chargers right now, a three-point underdog on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under total, 52 and a half. This line opened at three early in the week. Kansas City favored by that many points. Then it moved up to four, maybe even four and a half points at certain points throughout this week. But now back down to that opening number, just a field goal. That key number of three in the NFL. The over-under total has moved up also by three points to 52 and a half. That is interesting because 11 of the last 14 NFL Thursday games have fallen under. One of the exceptions to that rule last week, the Minnesota Vikings and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Vikes were up 29 points midway through the third. It seemed like it was going to fall under once again, and Pittsburgh did what the Steelers do this year. Rally back in the second half, made that a football game, pushed it to the over despite the Vikings holding on for an eight-point victory. But we have seen a strong trend of unders on short week Thursday night football games. So to see the total work up by three points is rather interesting. Kansas City has played 11 of their 14 games this year with a total booked at 50 or more points. But they have gone under in a lot of their recent games outside of last week because of how good the defense has been for Kansas City. Now, the sixth best scoring defense in the NFL, only giving up 20.6 points per game. The last five weeks for KC, their opponents have only been able to score 9.6 points per game. Kansas City is also, as we all know, on a six game winning streak covering in four straight as well the chargers as an underdog this year as we look at the trends from the other side have been very good when booked as an underdog la three and one ats this year as a dog in all three of those covers they have also won all three of those games outright including week number three in kc mo inside arrowhead stadium the chargers winning outright and beating the chiefs as seven point underdogs can the Chiefs find some of that success offensively they have found against the Las Vegas Raiders because the two games against the Raiders here for the Chiefs in the last month and a half have been the only time Kansas City has scored 25 or more points in this Sunday night football game in the desert a little bit ago Patrick Mahomes best game of the year throwing for over 400 yards and five scores Kansas City 
scored 41 points. Last week against the Raiders, the Chiefs covered as a 10-point favorite, scoring 48 points, but it's been the defense outside of that for Kansas City that has really carried the weight for this KC team on its six-game winning streak. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the third and final very happy hour of the morning after on this Wednesday, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This is our West Coast Wake Up, and I'm your host, Ben Stevens. West Coast is the theater for tonight's Thursday night football game out in the City of Angels. The Chargers and the Chiefs, Kansas City, a three-point road favorite, the over-under total, 52.5. So as we continue to break down this game, it'll be so important for the AFC West division and the AFC championship market as well. Because right now, the Chiefs are at 9-4 and four straight up. The Chargers, 8-5 and five straight up. Kansas City holds a one-game lead for that top spot in the AFC West division. And you are seeing those odds reflected on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kansas City, minus 230 right now as the heavy odds on favorites. The Chargers, plus 200. However, the Chargers already beat the Chiefs back in week number three. If the Chargers are able to pull off the upset at home tonight... They would claim the season series. Both teams would be at 9-5 and five overall, which would further complicate this divisional race down the stretch. The final three games for Kansas City and the final three games for Los Angeles. Both teams should probably be favored in each of their final three games, and the Chargers would have that tiebreaker claiming two games against Kansas City this regular season, which, again, would be huge for the AFC playoff race because right now Kansas City is the favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the AFC Championship at plus 260. The Chargers are at plus 950. This market is going to look incredibly different if the Chargers are able to pull off an upset tonight. And that would also be seen in the AFC West. Would the Chiefs still be the favorites? Probably by a slight number, but they both might be in plus money because with even three games left to go, the Chargers would have a substantial advantage in their favor having the season sweep over Kansas City. So you see the Chiefs at plus 260, the Patriots at plus 340 in the AFC championship market. Then it drops down to the Bills at plus 600, the Titans there at plus 800, and the Chargers with the fifth best odds to win the conference crown at plus 950. Thursday night football, as good as it gets, the Chargers a three-point home underdog against Kansas City tonight out in LA. We flip our focus to college hoops and maybe a tad of college football with our good friend Josh Graham on the other side of the break. Stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome back onto the program. It is Josh Graham, a radio host for WSJS Radio down there in the triad in North Carolina. The only media member brave enough to predict Pittsburgh to win the ACC Coastal Division in college football this year. We bring back that insight and analysis to look at college basketball in the early going of this college hoop season within the ACC. So, Josh, thank you for joining us once again here on TMA. Brave enough to pick Pitt to win the Coastal. Not nearly brave enough to pick Pitt to win the ACC in basketball. Yeesh! 
That ain't good, Ben. It ain't good. If you haven't seen them, no. good. You're one of the lucky ones. Yeah, it has not been great for Pitt. It really hasn't been great to start this year, Josh, for a lot of teams in the ACC. We were talking about this earlier in the show. Only Duke, ranked number se- ranked number two in the country right now, but the only team ranked in the AP Top 25 this week. So what's happening right now in the early going of this college hoop season within the Atlantic Coast Conference? I think it's a little bit too soon to say that the ACC is having a down year or any type of thing because of where the AP poll currently sits. I've always been a believer that in football or in basketball, give it about a month and a half, two months before you really should be focusing on what the polls tell you. Because there are some good teams in the ACC that aren't ranked right now. North Carolina, I'm a little surprised, is not ranked considering what they did to Michigan a couple weeks back and how they're on a roll right now. They've won five consecutive games, which hasn't happened for that program in a little bit over two years. Wake Forest, which I've keep, kept an eye on for quite some time and, and in the early part of the season, has a second-year coach named Steve Forbes, and they're 10-1 and one to open the year, and they have high major wins. They beat Northwestern in overtime in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They beat Oregon State, whom they were up 18 points on. That's a team that was in the Elite Eight just a handful of months ago in 2021. And they beat Virginia Tech by 20 points in Blacksburg. That's a team I also think is pretty good. They had a double bye in the ACC tournament just back in March. So there there are a few teams that might not be the traditional powers to keep an eye on, like a Virginia Tech, like a Wake Forest. But I'm not, I think it's a little bit too soon to say that teams like North Carolina, Louisville, Syracuse, or even say a Florida State aren't good enough to shoot up those rankings pretty quick when we get to conference play. Josh, that was so nice of you to include Syracuse, knowing that I am a proud Orange alum. I don't feel as optimistic as you do, but still, thank you for giving SU a shout-out here on the morning after. So when you look, though, Josh, at the ACC title market, if it is going to be a little bit more wide open this year, there should appear to be a lot of value on the board because Duke is the odds-on favorite right now at minus 110 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Everybody's a plus money price with some good. You gave us Pitt to win the Coastal back in August. Do you have a hot take for who might challenge to win the ACC title in college basketball? Louisville's a team that has a lot of talent and early on had a couple of difficult losses, including a home loss to Furman, which I think had a ton of folks start to go down on Louisville. But remember, because of some of the stuff that happened to the offseason with Dino Gaudio, Chris Mack had to serve a seven-game suspension at the start of the season. But now that he's back, one on the road at NC State, they did have that uh, speed bump against DePaul. But if we're talking about ACC odds, it's not sexy to bet Duke. Duke's the odds-on favorite because of the best team. They have the best wins. And Mike Krzyzewski has a ton of urgency this season, obviously being his last. But consider this, Ben. Since Coach Hay started recruiting the one-and-done, since his fourth national championship win in 2010, Mike Krzyzewski has not won the ACC one time since oh. 2010. So with these younger teams, maybe they have more road bumps than you think. Louisville's a team with experience, with a guy like Malik Williams inside and Withers banging down there and, and some great transfers that they brought in as well. That's a team I see some value with. 
I like that, Josh. And I did not know that fact about Coach Mike Krzyzewski not winning the ACC in over a decade. You mentioned Wake Forest and off to a 10-1 and start this year with some really good quality wins already on the resume at 25-1 to to win the ACC. Do you think there is value on the Demon Deeks? I guess there's value, but it depends <laughs> on how much value you have on your cash. See, yeah. I've gotten to know... Um, Steve Forbes quite a bit at Wake Forest, and he is doing a terrific job. This is not random, by the way. Like, there might be younger viewers or listeners of this who think, Wake Forest, what have they ever done? But in the 1990s and the 2000s, they had guys named Tim Duncan and Rodney Rogers and Randolph Childress and Chris Paul who were pretty darn good and had a lot of success in the ACC. So there's no doubt that you can win at Wake Forest. But the reason why Wake Forest is where they are right now. They were willing to do something, Ben, last year, 2020, that literally nobody else in high major basketball was willing to do, and that's make a coaching change. Go back to April of 2020 and think about all the economic unrest and all the areas of uncertainty we had in the sports world at that time. Most years, there are eight to 10 coaching changes per cycle In April of 2020, there were zero in high major basketball until Wake Forest decided to take the plunge and let go of Danny Manning and shelling out a significant buyout to do so. Because of that, they had their pick of the litter, and they were able to bring in a coach that won 75% of his games in five years at East Tennessee State that if it was a normal cycle, they're probably not able to hire. hire. But here's a bigger part of it, Ben, that I don't think enough people are talking about. Considering how much change there has been in college basketball with the one-time transfer, I think coaches that have spent time in junior college are uniquely Mm. qualified to have success in college hoops and to be comfortable with all the movement and all the turnover. Steve Forbes has 11 years of head coaching experience in junior college. The rest of the ACC coaches combined, one year in junior college. So it's not random when you consider the talent he's bringing into the one-time transfer market because he's used to this being in Juco and wait, getting a coach of that caliber because they had nobody to compete with back in April of 2020. Coach K not winning the ACC in more than a decade. The Juco experience of Steve Forbes has Wake Forest off to a 10-1 start. Only the information in the ACC analysis you will get from Josh Graham. And we love having it here on the morning after. So, Josh, you mentioned it. You will be in Durham tonight inside Cameron Indoor when Duke takes on App State. Right now, the Blue Devils, a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Their second game after not playing in more than two-and-a-half weeks. Obviously, Duke can win tonight, but can they cover a more than 20-point spread? I think they can because they just won by 40 the other night. But I'm going to give some love to App State Mountaineer basketball. App State, earlier this year, for the first time in 21 years, went to the NCAA tournament, and they had a winning year, mm. snapping an eight-game losing skip. They're 7-5, and five, but the teams they played, Rick Pitino's Iona. They played against a lot of top-level teams. They're really trying to test themselves this year. Charlotte comes to mind. There are a few others that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. App State. I think they might be able to give Duke a little bit of a problem in the second of three games that Duke has this week. They just rescheduled earlier this morning a game for Saturday since Colorado State was unable to play, or Cleveland State, excuse me. They're going to be playing Loyola, Maryland on Saturday at 4 o'clock. 
Not the Maryland Terrapins, though, as Josh Graham was trying to orchestrate on Come Twitter. Come on! Correct? Come on! Let's hey, do it! Listen. One more time. Danny Manning. Danny Manning going back to the ACC with all that Maryland has dealt with this year. Maybe. Maybe, just maybe. Josh Graham, radio host for WSJS Radio down there in the triad, giving you the ACC analysis that only Josh Graham can. Thank you so much, Josh. We appreciate your time. No doubt. Merry Christmas to you guys. Same to you. Enjoy being among the crazies tonight at Cameron Indoor. Coming up on the other side of the break, we switch from college hoops to professional basketball. Going around the association, the NBA focus with Brian Fonseca is next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Now very pleased to welcome on Brian Fonseca from FanDuel for a little NBA focus on this Thursday, recapping the action from Wednesday evening and a couple of games to know on the Thursday night slate as well. Brian, as always, thank you very much for joining us here on the morning after. Always happy to be here with Ben and the guys. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? It's a great time to have you here. A Thursday on TMA. One of the best games, Brian, last night in the NBA. The Miami Heat on the road in the city of brotherly love against the Philadelphia 76ers. The Heat prevailing 101-96, knocking off Philadelphia. You told me you have tons of notes on this game. What stood out (laughs) to you most about last night's action in Philadelphia? Because I knew we were going to talk today. I knew that uh, last night was probably going to be eventful. So look at that. Just sort of looking out for the discussion that we're about to have. But no, for real, it's like no Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo, no Tyler Hero, no Markeith Morris still, no Victor Oladipo still, no Caleb Martin. And I think I'm even forgetting somebody else who did not play uh, in the game. But they're without six guys. And they went out in Philadelphia, won on the road against a team that had Joel and B like a team that, you know, has the plate, the, Ty, the Ty, Tyrese Maxey was great yesterday. You know, they have pieces in place, but then you're watching the heat role players sort of step up. And that's the thing about bam is going to be out for, you know, several weeks. He'll maybe he'll come back sometime late next month or something along those lines. We still don't know. Uh, Jimmy Butler is day to day because of the bruised tailbone. And this gives an opportunity to the other guys, the role players, to sort of step up in their absence, which is good for their playoff chances. And we like to see this in sports, right? We like to see sort of guys step up who don't always get these opportunities. First and foremost from yesterday, Gabe Vincent, who, when he was on the Nigerian national team, played under the name Gabe Namdi and Hmm. was a big part of the Nigerian national team who beat Team USA last year in a scrimmage but still beat Team USA last year in the scrimmage. He went six for eight from three in that game, 21 points. Last night, 26 points, he went seven for 12 from three. And he was Gabe Namdi as opposed to Gabe Vincent, as uh, some Heat fans like to joke. But, you know, you got to see him really produce at a high level. And this is a guy who was on a two-way contract the last couple years, and now he's on, like, a regular deal. He sort of earned that, and he's trying to find his way. 
uh, before Victor Oladipo comes back, and that's going to make the guard rotation really interesting. Dwayne Dedman, 10 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, and he was a big part of why Joel Embiid could not get it going last night. Joel Embiid was 5 for 13, 1 for 6, looked uncomfortable. Dwayne Dedman was in his face seemingly all night long. Uh, Omer Yurt 7, I know that you're Big Ten, Ben. I got to show a little bit of love to the Big East here. Omer Yurt 7, uh, 5 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 assists in 12 minutes. And that's a small sort of stat line relative to the guys we're talking about. But O'Meara at 7 is another one of these dudes who can come through now that Bam Adebayo's out. And four assists in 12 minutes for a big man. I've always said watching him at Georgetown and before that NC State, but especially at Georgetown under Patrick Ewing, he's a very good passer for a big man. So the four assists did not surprise me. I think that that's something to monitor going forward, which is important for the Heat because Dwayne Dedman has some assists last night. But Bam Adebayo is really one of the best passing bigs. So it tells you how functional, how important it is to have that. So, yeah, I thought it was a humongous win for them. And for Philadelphia, I mean, I have some questions. Uh, and they still have to figure out that whole Ben Simmons situation. But uh, right now, you know, the Miami Heat, that was, a, that was a big, big road win for them. The Heat winning on the road as a five-and-a-half-point underdog outright. That total staying under, by the way. Philly, the third-highest under percentage in the NBA, more than 61.5% of Philly's games falling under so far this year. And, Brian, it was big for Miami because they had lost five of their last eight games. And these two teams right now, the third and the fourth best odds to win the Eastern Conference. Miami, the third best. Philly, the fourth best. Out in the Western Conference last night, Brian, a buzzer beater, almost a game-winning three-pointer at the very least, from Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers on the road against the Mavs giving the Lakers the 107-104 win. Did you know of Austin Reeves' three-point shooting ability entering last night in Dallas? I, I, I saw a little bit of Oklahoma basketball, you know, when he, when he was out there. Uh, I did not realize until recently that he was a transfer from Wichita State, the rare college basketball transfer who goes to a bigger program from a mid-major to a Power 5 school and actually gets more playing time and actually plays better. That doesn't happen a lot, and he was able to do that and parlay it into a gig with the Lakers where he goes five of six from three yesterday and hits, as you you know call it, the game-winning the game winning shot, essentially. And he said after the game, it was surreal to him. I think I think Mirren Fader, the ringer, just profiled him, and he ended up <laughs> coming through like right after. And, you know, Austin Reeves has been a good story, and they needed him last night because they weren't getting a lot of production from their bench. And even their big three – you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, they did what they did and combined for nearly 70 points and shot the ball collectively 45%. But I didn't feel like they looked quite as sharp. Uh, you know, there were some lulls, particularly with Anthony Davis. But when you look at the stat line at the end, it looked really good. But when you watch him, you know, he's still struggling with his three. He was turning the ball over a lot. I think he had five turnovers in the first half, just sloppy passes, which he tightened up in the second half. And we'll give him credit for that, right? Like, he ended up turning it around. Um, you know, and then they ended up winning in overtime. I thought LeBron was pretty much, you know, LeBron-ish. Other uh, numbers, not as gaudy as usual, but, you know, watching him move around or whatever, I still feel like the Lakers are, you know, figuring things out because of all the injuries. LeBron obviously was one of those guys that missed time. Guys have been in and out of the lineup, and not just with them, but around the league. We just talked about the Heat. The Sixers dealt with some of that too, as we talked about, because Joel Embiid, you know, had uh, COVID earlier this year. So it's been a lot of just shuffling around around the league. And I think the Lakers have really felt that more than a lot of others. But to their credit, look, they found a guy in Austin Reeves who, if he's going to go five or six from three, 
he should play significantly on this team because even though they have all these veteran minimum guys, Austin Reeves is somebody who can shoot uh, and appears confident when he is shooting it. And I thought with Dallas, you know, the other thing to not overlook here is that they didn't have Luka Doncic, which is, you know, if you're a Laker fan, you're probably like, mm, we bear, you know, we we barely won and we needed Austin Reeves to do so and Luka Doncic wasn't there. Jalen Brunson played really well for the Mavs last night. He stepped up and it didn't feel like anyone else really did. Luke, um, Chris Asporzingis struggled from the floor. I believe it was eight for 23 and, you know, was pretty quiet, you know, after the first half. I didn't feel like he was, uh, you know, too impactful in, in different points, which has sort of been an on-again, off-again thing with him. So Dallas has some things to figure out. I'm still actually optimistic about them, oddly enough, but I do think that there's a move or two that they can make to sort of try to push themselves into the upper echelon in the West. I think they have some good talent, but there's some roster construction stuff and maybe some coaching stuff that they need to work through. The Lakers have now won four of their last five games, 16 and 13 straight up this year. Depending on where you got the number last night, the Lakers opened as the underdog, then closed as a three and a half point favorite. The Lakers might not have covered another spread for you because the Lakers now the second worst ATS record in the association. The team, Brian, with the third worst ATS record, who had the best against the spread record last year, the New York Knicks, who are now laying five mm. points on the road tonight against the Houston Rockets. Why have the Knicks struggled here as of late, Brian? And can they turn it around tonight against the Rockets? Whoo! Oh, man. Uh, in terms of a Knicks a tough question, struggling... Yeah, in terms of a Knicks struggling segment, we could do that for, like, maybe an hour and a half. Like, it's, it's, it's really... It's really has not been good. I'm going to get to them in a second. I would just say about Houston. I heard this on Scott Van Pelt last night. This was funny. Uh, because Houston did have recently a seven-game winning streak. They lost last night to the Cavs, 124-89. to The Cavs apparently have covered 13 consecutive straight times, which I find True. interesting. And, you know, we, we love that up here. This is a FanDuel show after all, right? Like, <laughs> 13 straight covers, that means put your money on the Cavs going forward, uh, regardless of what it is. But anyway, uh, as it relates to the Knicks, they were 10-9 and at the time they benched Kemba Walker. They've been 2-7 seven since. And I did not feel like Kemba Walker was the issue. I felt like his defense obviously was an issue because the defensive efficiency, the defensive rating was just bad when he was out there. But evidently, he's not the only reason that their defense was bad because Evan Fortier is still out there. Julius Randle was not quite defending, you know, as well as he had been. I think RJ Barrett uh, has shown some things defensively, but like at the same time, you know, they need more than just that. And I don't think necessarily that he's been a stopper. I thought that he's improved, you know, in some areas, but defensively, they're just not very good right now. And the nine games that they've played without Kemba Walker, in which I said they're two and seven, they've manufactured 100 or more points, only four out of those nine times. And they're one in three of those games. Their opponents have broken a hundred, not just a hundred, but 105 all but twice. Uh, and in the games that they didn't, they're one and one. So the defense has actually gotten worse. And the other thing about Kemba Walker is that he's shooting 41% from three uh, for the season when he did play. I actually would like to see if he could return to the lineup in some capacity. And maybe they try to figure out something else schematically. But, you know, I also think that in some regard, it's almost as if everyone's regressed in unison damn near, except for like Obi Toppin, who I think they should play more, by the way. Uh, the defensive rating is not great. The net rating is not great. They're middle of the road in points allowed. And, yeah, I, I want to see, personally, more OB Toppin and uh, perhaps Kemba Walker back into the lineup. And they're a team, we talked about Dallas, the Knicks are a team that absolutely has a lot of things that they potentially need to rearrange. So we'll see what they end up doing as we uh, get closer and closer to some of these trade restrictions being lifted.
Yeah, that line opened up at six and a half this morning, as we often see, Brian. Lines move early in the morning as it pertains to NBA games. Now just at five in New York's favor on the road tonight against the Houston Rockets, who, yes, did lose by over 30 points last night to the covering Cleveland Cavaliers, who have covered in 13 straight games, covering in more than 82% of their games this year, Brian, in the NBA. Brian Fonseca from FanDuel breaking it down for us across the association as always. Brian, thank you so much for your time on this Thursday. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Of course, man. We will talk very, very soon. Coming up, an even deeper dive into Thursday night football. That's next on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thursday on the morning after rolls on right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Very pleased right now to welcome on Carrington Harrison, the host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, Missouri, helping us break down Thursday night football tonight out in L.A., the Chiefs and the Chargers in a huge Thursday night football game that will have ramifications in the AFC West, the AFC playoff picture, so helping us get through all of it Carrington is here on the morning after. Carrington, thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday. Hey, Ben, I appreciate it. I just recently noticed in all the times that I've come on here that my name is too long, but I don't get the full, like, you get Ben Stevens. I just get C. Harrison. You know what I mean? Like, you can't fit Carrington Harrison on that bottom line. I'm just C. Harrison today. Carrington, we have a joke among our Slack group that puts together this show on a daily basis that you, your name sounds like one of the fanciest steak restaurants you could ever go to, like a beautiful steakhouse, <laughs> Carrington Harrison. So at least know that your name carries some weight in our group chat if that helps you feel any better. So uh, someone on Twitter one day said that my name sounds like a really nice apartment complex, and my friend brings that up at least once a week. <laughs> yeah, the lofts at Carrington Harrison certainly <laughs> – charging a premium for rent i think they sound like a wonderful apartment building so let's dive in to thursday night football the chiefs right now a three-point road favorite against the chargers in la the over under total 52 and a half carrington from an overall perspective how do you approach this matchup tonight on thursday I think this is one of the biggest games of the regular season. If you look at the implications, I heard you talking about that before we got on here for this game. If the Chiefs win this, they basically wrap up the AFC West and they'll have the inside track to being the one seed in the AFC. If the Chargers win this, you'll have a tiebreaker against the Kansas City Chiefs and you basically just got to hold on down the stretch and you could potentially be the two or three seed in the AFC. So the ramifications for this game are huge. I'm sure we'll talk about it over the course of this conversation, but I think Kansas City has answered just about every question that you can have. The big question is, can this offense get back to where they were? They've only scored 28 or excuse me, 23.8 points per game in any game outside of the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. We know they can score against the Raiders. Can they score against the rest of the NFL? That's a question that needs to be answered tonight against the Chargers. Yeah, and Carrington, Kansas City right now on a six-game winning streak. They have covered in four straight games, and the reason they have been so good in this six-game winning streak is because of the defense. Now the sixth-best scoring defense in the NFL. The last five opponents against Kansas City, 
only averaging 9.6 points per game. Did you expect to see this turnaround defensively for this Kansas City Chiefs team this year? I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, through the first, I would say, six weeks of the season, I think the Chiefs had a bottom three, bottom five defense in the NFL. Right now, as you alluded to, they're a top 10 defense in the NFL. And I think you can say, as of right now, the only defense that is definitively playing better than them is the New England Patriots. Their defense is playing at a Tampa Bay Buccaneers level, a Buffalo Bills level, Carolina Panthers. You can name the team. The Chiefs defense has played at that level. There's no question whether or not the Chiefs defense is a Super Bowl caliber defense, in my opinion. But the offense needs to do their part. And now with the injuries and COVID that is now affecting not just the Chiefs, but the rest of the league, you're probably not going to have Chris Jones today. You're not going to have Willie Gay Jr. Sneed is out for family reasons. So you're not going to have three critical members of that defense, you're going to need to score more points than you did against the Packers, more points than you did against the Giants, more points than you did against the Broncos. This offense has to answer the call tonight. So, Carrington, outside of playing the Las Vegas Raiders, how does Kansas City start to turn that offense up a little bit? I think in a game like this, especially against the 31st-ranked rush defense, the way the Chargers are, you got to run the football effectively. I don't think the Chiefs have done all three of these things effectively this season. Ran the ball in a game, held on to the football, so drops have been an issue, and protect the football. I think they outplayed the Chargers the first time these two teams played each other, but you're not going to beat good teams or really any team in the NFL if you finish minus four in the turnover differential. That's just not a game that you win in the NFL. The Chiefs were minus three in the turnover differential in the last game, had the ball with under three minutes to go with one timeout and a two-minute warning, and Mahomes threw an interception. So you're going to have to protect the football in this game, and if you do that, I think this is the game that Kansas City will win. So, Carrington, you mentioned it, how big this game is for the AFC playoff picture, not just the AFC West division, but if KC does win tonight in Los Angeles, they might have – the track to the one seed overall in the AFC playoffs, which as we know right now is huge because only the number one overall seed in each conference gets that by and then home field advantage throughout the entirety of the postseason. But right now on FanDuel, KC actually has the third best odds to claim the number one seed in the AFC at plus 300. So how does tonight's win, if it happens for Kansas City, set the stage to becoming that number one overall seed in the AFC? I think it's a really simple equation. Kansas City has a chance to get to 13 wins. They can't let any other team in the AFC get to 13. They don't have the tiebreaker over any other team in the AFC that has a chance to get it. Now, maybe Los Angeles, but that's going to end up splitting, and then we'll have to play conference record when it comes to them. You don't have that tiebreaker against Baltimore. Look at Buffalo. Don't have the tiebreaker against them. Cleveland. Don't have the tiebreaker against them. So, this team is going to need to win out and hope that no other team in the AFC can get to. I believe we're having some technical difficulties quickly with Carrington Harrison out there in Kansas City, Missouri, the host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio in KC. So we will see if Carrington can come back and join us because he is dropping some knowledge for us heading into Thursday night football between the Chiefs and the Chargers. As Carrington was saying, in the point he was alluding to, Kansas City right now, the third best odds to be the number one overall seed in the AFC, plus 300 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Pats are the favorites at plus 125. Then you see the Tennessee Titans at plus 250. That is how the seeding list looks right now in the AFC playoff picture. We will see what exactly 
is the rest of the way here for Kansas City. Their final three games after tonight against L.A. on the road in Los Angeles. Pittsburgh at home inside Arrowhead a weekend from now. Then they end on the road at Cincinnati, on the road in the Mile High City against the Denver Broncos. So you would think, as the Chiefs have been every single game this year, including tonight on Thursday, they will be favored in those final three games of this regular season. An indication that Kansas City should at least win out outright. So when you look at KC's live team win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook, it's at 11 and a half. Yes, the over has heavy juice at minus 145, but KC has won at least 12 games in the last three regular seasons. Could they make that a fourth straight regular season with at least 12 wins, cashing in on the over of that live team win total? Winning tonight on the road as a three-point favorite against Los Angeles would go a huge way for the Chiefs when they head through the rest of this regular season here down the home stretch in the AFC. So this is all about Kansas City right now and where the Chiefs stand as the number one team when you look at the favorite odds to win the AFC championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kansas City plus 260 as the favorites right now to win the AFC crown on FanDuel. Kansas City has been back to where we expected them to be early on in the year, the first five, six weeks of this regular season. The narrative was always around, can Kansas City turn it around? Can the Chiefs be the Chiefs that we expect? Is this is this just a downslide? Or will Kansas City start to look like the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy offense of old that we have seen over this great three-year stretch? Now, that is where the Chiefs find themselves as the favorites to win the AFC championship on FanDuel at plus 260. The Patriots only 80 cents behind at plus 340. Then there's a drop off to the Buffalo Bills at 6 to 1 and the Titans at 8 to 1 and the Chargers at plus 950. Now the Chargers have won two straight games and as an underdog this year, LA has been very very good. 3 and 1 against the number, all three of those covers, three outright wins for Los Angeles including Week number three of this NFL regular season in Kansas City against the Chiefs. The Chargers winning that game 30-24 to 24 outright as a seven-point underdog. That total would have gone over this total of 52.5 that we have tonight for Thursday Night Football. And I know I've beaten this drum a couple of times here throughout the morning after on this Thursday, but 11 of the last 14 NFL games played on a Thursday, including all three on Turkey Day a couple of weeks ago, have hit the under. Last week, we saw an over, and this total right now so far has worked up by three points from an opener of 49 and a hook to 52 and a half right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So that is everything at stake for this game tonight. We talked about the AFC West implications, the AFC postseason ramifications Overall, in Kansas City right now, a minus 230 favorite to win the AFC West division on FanDuel. The Chargers plus 200. As Carrington said, if the Chargers win tonight and pull off the season sweep of Kansas City, they're going to be in pole position. They will be in the driver's seat where if they can hold on down the stretch in their final three games that really are not all that difficult on the road at Houston, taking on the Denver Broncos as well, and then finishing on the road at Las Vegas, L.A. will win the AFC West division. Could they be the top seed? Probably not. But they would not have to play in the wild card, or they would not be in the wild card race and would host that first playoff game during wild card weekend in the AFC playoff picture. So that is what Justin Herbert 
and his favorite target, Keenan Allen, are hoping to do tonight. You are seeing Keenan Allen back on the field tonight, elevated from the COVID-19 list. He will be available for this game against the Chiefs defense that Carrington alluded to will be a little bit shorthanded, both because of some COVID issues. Chris Jones in the middle of that defensive front. Willie Gay, the second-year linebacker out of Mississippi State, who flies around sideline to sideline and who has been a revelation in the Chiefs secondary this year. Legereus Sneed, dealing with some family matters off the field, will not play for the Chiefs for the second straight week tonight. So now you have, at least it seems, the full complement on the outside for Justin Herbert. Mike Williams should be able to go tonight. We saw Guyton be great last week for the Chargers, and then you add Keenan Allen back to the fold as well. Austin Eckler, he was banged up last week. We're not exactly sure of his status for sure and for certain heading into Thursday night football tonight. But as we look at the QB passing yard prompts, on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's Justin Herbert, actually, that has a higher mark than that of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, 280 and a half. It fell by two yards from last night's total at 282 and a hook. Justin Herbert at 284 and a half. Justin Herbert has gone over this number in three of the last four games for Los Angeles. He is averaging 314.6 passing yards per game. He's the fourth leading passer in the NFL. His passing attempts prop is 37 in a hook. That is the same number that Patrick Mahomes has for his passing attempts prop at 37 and a half as well. And actually, Patrick has higher juice to the over of that 37 in a hook. Justin Herbert has gone under 37 and a half twice this year, but he is averaging 38.3 passing attempts per game. Patrick Mahomes on the other side has only gone over 37 and a half passing attempts just five times this year. And that passing yards prop of 280 and a half Well, Patrick Mahomes has gone under that number in three straight games, six of the last seven games. The only game he did not a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders out in the desert. That game, Patrick Mahomes threw for 400 yards, well exceeding this passing yards prop tonight of 280 and a half. We finish the morning after on this Thursday in the prop market for Thursday night football for our bye-bye-bye best bet on the other side of the break. Will it be a quarterback? Will it be offense in a game with a 52.5-point total? Find out next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our three hours together here on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Before we say farewell on this Thursday, that begins week 15 in the NFL, the final month of this long NFL regular season with 18 regular season weeks. We dive into Thursday night football. As good of a game on a short week on TNF as you might see In a couple of years, the Chiefs, a three-point road favorite tonight against the Los Angeles Chargers, the over-under total 52.5 in a huge game for the AFC West and the AFC playoff picture overall. Where do we go for our best bet? Let's find out in Bye Bye Bye.
So two very good offenses facing off tonight, headlined by two great starting young quarterbacks. On one side for the Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes. On the other side for the Chargers, it's Justin Herbert. And who are some of their favorite targets? We know the guys on KC, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and the list goes on. For the Chargers, it's a great wide receiver in Keenan Allen, along with Mike Williams. But the focus is Keenan Allen, elevated off the COVID-19 list, missed last week for the Chargers against the Giants, but back on the field for this huge game on Thursday night. Our bye-bye-bye best bet, over 75.5 receiving yards for Keenan Allen. The last time he was on the field, the Chargers' big upset win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Keenan went under this number that time. But the five games prior to that, over 75.5 in five straight games, averaging 95.2 receiving yards in that five-game span. Keenan Allen has built that relationship with Justin Herbert. 124 targets this year between the two, the most targets of any receiver on the L.A. Bye, 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 best bet. Keenan Allen over 75 and a half receiving yards tonight on Thursday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. A huge game for the AFC West Division and the AFC playoff picture. The morning after, each and every weekday, right here on The Grid, I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do. Do you like winning? What a coincidence. So do 